Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, that's right. You heard the man. It's that time of week. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way... Tire buying should be absolute jam-packed show tonight. Bottom of the hour, John Orlando of the Wisecracks and Action Junkies podcast with our own Bill Krakenberger will join us. We'll talk about UFC 282, among other things. By the way, uh, in, in, yes, and in, in, in after midnight, midnight hour, we're going to take your calls tonight, 877-99 on Fox. lot to check in. on. But I got to start with this crazy, wacky, unreal NFL 2022 season, week 14, already off to a doozy. I mean, we hadn't even gotten going. We've got a five-win team favored over a 10-2 and two team. Uh, what if I told you the Detroit Lions have a better record than the Green Bay Packers and the L.A. Rams, and now Baker Mayfield playing quarterback for the defending world champs? Forget the Elway drive. we got the, Maker Bay, uh, the Baker Mayfield drive, 98 yards. Yeah, even Tua is in the MVP conversation. And how was your day? The improbable, goofy, idiosyncratic NFL 2022 season continued this week with a bang with a couple of bookend 17-16 to 16 games. First, the Tom Brady comeback special on Monday night. Then the Baker Mayfield against the never-hit-a-man-while-he's-down, kick-him-it's-easier Raiders closes out the Thursday night fiasco with a near-impossible finish beating the Raiders by a score of, you guessed it, 17-16. to 16. By the way, if you're scoring at home, or even if you're just by yourself, when there were two minutes to go in the game, and Al Michaels was talking about Hollywood scripts and Baker Mayfield took over on his own two-yard line, you could have got the Rams at 25-1 to one to win that game. But I digress. Did that really happen? Did that really happen? Brand new Rams quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who I don't, I'm not even sure if he's even unpacked his luggage from LAX yet, leads the defending champs on the season's most improbable game-winning drive to completely cook the Raiders' hapless year once and for all. Although, no, actually, again, if you're scoring at home, 
they have a 2.1% chance of making the playoffs. And make no mistake, if they win their next couple of games, you'll, you'll hear that again. We're force-fed the Raiders here in Las Vegas, whether you like it or not. <laughs> okay. All right. Mayfield, he ends up connecting with Van Jefferson for the game winner with 10 seconds left. They go up 17-16. And, of course, it was, you know, the, the drive was aided and abetted by two great flabbergasting penalties at the Raiders' defense that kept the door open for that game. I don't know if it's a comedy or a tragedy or maybe both, but yes, and now the Raiders 0-4 this season when leading by at least 10 points at halftime. That's the first time that's happened since 1930. So, again, how was your day? The Rams, they snapped the longest losing streak for a defending champ. The Raiders fall to 5-8. and eight. Yes, the Rams... They own the worst 12-game start in NFL history for any defending Super Bowl champion. Of course, I know injuries are part of the problem, but what's more of a problem is a problematic offense that completely regressed in the last month, averaging 87 rushing yards per game. And heading into that game, the Rams were 0-7 straight up, 1-6 against the number in which they failed to gain 100 yards on the ground. The Raiders were the opposite, 3-0 and straight up and against the spread when they hold their opponents to under 95 yards. So, lost, the Raiders were the biggest public play. It already busted up all the teasers, all the money line. There's no way I would lay the Raiders six and a half points on the road. I don't care if they're playing the Hoboken Zephyrs, ever. Al Davis once said, the greatness of the Raiders is in its future. He was right when he was alive. The greatness of the Raiders is in their distant past. Just watch them every week. You saw them last night. Don't believe me, watch him again next week when New England comes to town. And I know the chatter will start around Josh McDaniel's job security. People want him fired. They're not going to fire him. Mark Davis is going to do that. And he shouldn't do it. I don't think he should fire a coach after one year. That doesn't mean I would have hired him. Look, by the way, just trust me, Josh McDaniels isn't going anywhere. Now, I want to say this because none of us really saw this happening last night. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't see this happening in this way. But before this unthinkable happened, which reduced the Raiders to five and eight instead of six and seven, see they were six and seven last year before Rich Bisaccia. Remember him? His steady hand guided the Raiders into the playoffs. Rich Bisaccia. I was all set to sign on tonight. Let's assume for the hell of it the Raiders would have won. They'd be six and seven. And I know people would have been talking playoffs. Here we go, here's our playoff run. They're gonna force feed it whether we like it or not. And I was all set to actually compliment Josh Daniels tonight in, in this exact open right now. No, not because I thought the Raiders would make a playoff run. Believe me, I never thought that. And I would have been signing on that I'd saying, I don't care if they're 6-7, and seven, they're not going to the playoffs. I just wanted to be fair and say I thought McDaniels actually has conducted himself in a fairly classy, dignified manner this year in spite of all the Michigas. Now, do I think he's a capable head coach? Nope. Hell no. Would I have hired him? Hell to the no. But at least he's been even keel this year. So Baker, you know, Mayfield, he stole my thunder. Because it's 6-7 and seven playoff talk would have surely been the order of the day. And don't call me surely. But not for me. I'm telling you. Not for me. Why? One word. Expectations. Remember that word. Expectations. See, whenever the Raiders and Derek Carr have expectations, you see what happens. Beginning of the year... Big expectations. Raiders start 0-3. Then, no expectations. And Tim Brown said, they're going to win the next six in a row. Tim Brown is a former Raider. 
former Notre Dame grade. He said, they're going to win the next six in a row. He came close. Raiders went two and four. Now, no expectations. Then the Raiders went three in a row. Guess what? Expectations again. Raiders lead 13-3 to at the half last night. Expectations are here again. Here we go. Let's go, Raiders. Greatness of the Raiders is at halftime. Raiders are held to three points in the second half and only 57 yards against a moribund, depleted defense. And by the way, the Rams in their bottom 10 pass defense, they're for the taking. So what does Josh McDaniels do? He runs the ball 38 times yesterday. Must have great faith in Derek Carr. Then enter Baker Mayfield. Did that really happen? Mayfield, as I said, probably hasn't even unpacked his luggage from L.A. airport yet. Yet you saw what happened. He leads the team right down the field. Wins the game. Now here's some more fun facts in case you missed it. The Rams actually trailed 16-3 after Daniel Carlson and his third field goal. Now there were only 12 minutes left in the game at this point. But right after Daniel Carlson kicked that field goal, Maker, uh, Baker Mayfield, I almost said Maker Bayfield, but I meant Baker Mayfield. He led, the, he, he led a 75-yard drive. Cam Akers finishes it off. That took a long time. There were only three minutes and 19 seconds remaining in the game. So the Rams defense, the aforementioned depleted moribund Rams defense, missing a bunch of starters. They had to stop Derek Carr, and they did. But still, it was at the two-minute warning. But then give it up to Raiders punter, A.J. Cole. He drops a 64-yard punt, pins the Rams at their two. And the Raiders are celebrating on the sideline like they just won the lottery. That's what they do. Expectations. They're going to win. We're going to be talking playoffs. Happy days are here again. With no timeouts, Baker Mayfield... Leads the Rams downfield. He gets to the Raiders' 23-yard line with 15 seconds left. Then, Baker Mayfield connects with Van Jefferson in the back corner of the end zone. And in the winning play, Mayfield said, quote, he was completely shocked to see the Raiders line up and press coverage with 15 seconds left. And yeah, so was I. Maker Mayfield, I almost said Maker Bayfield again, so let's just call him Maker Bayfield. Hell with it. Maker Bayfield said, I really thought they were going to pop out and play his own, but they just stayed with it. And I saw the weak side safety stay down, and Van's a great go-ball runner, which means it's a go-route. You just take off. You beat your man off the line of scrimmage, and, you know, he won, the, he, won the, he won off the line, and he was open in, by NFL standards. Mayfield hit him. Mayfield 15-20 in, in the fourth quarter. That's the second most completions in any quarter of his career according to ESPN stats and information. There, maybe there's a reason he won the Heisman, and there is a reason he was the number one overall pick. All right? And, and he says, obviously, this is up there with his highlights. He did it in front of the world. Heading into the game, Mayfield was 0-22 as a starter when trailing by 13 or more points. But actually, this is the second time Maker Bayfield has led a 13-point comeback off the bench. He, he, uh, in his rookie year, he came off the bench, and the Browns were down 14 nothing, and he won. But I digress. Uh, you know, again, Mayfield didn't start. Wolf, John Wolford start, didn't complete a pass, didn't even attempt to pass, right? So now Mayfield's on his third team in five seasons. And by the way, that's not very, that's not very often that that happens. He's only the second player since the common draft 
1967 that was drafted number one overall to have that happen to. But here is some more fun facts if you're a football junkie. Mayfield mentioned they were in press coverage. I have another question. Why was a rookie, Sam Webb, on Van Jefferson, who's a veteran receiver? Why not Nate Hobbs? Somebody please explain that to me. If you're going to be in press coverage, at least put your veteran on a veteran, which they did, the Raiders elected not to do. I don't know why. And when Mayfield got to the line of scrimmage, there was simply no need to read the defense. He looked at Van Jefferson. They knew he was going to beat him off, off the you know, off the jump. He got open. End of story. Let's look at the other side of the field. Derek Carr finished, uh, Derek Carr finished 11 of 20, 137 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 36.9 QBR rating. I don't think that's good. Raiders, again, brutal in the red zone. Four red zone trips, one touchdown, one costly interception before halftime. The Rams, I mentioned earlier, bottom 10 pass defense. So why do the Raiders run the ball 38 times? Why does Devontae Adams only catch one ball in the second half? The Raiders, sloppy with a capital S. Seven penalties, 94 yards. That's just like handing your opponent, here's a free 94 yards in offense. The Raiders can ill afford to do that. Jerry Tillery, who'd been playing pretty well, who the Raiders had just picked up from the Chargers, slaps the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands. But see, the Rams had no timeouts clock is ticking well that qualifies for a stop clock and unsportsmanlike conduct and a free 15 yards wow what were you thinking and again Devontae adams one catch in the second half why after the game Derek carr with more post-game platitudes boring okay i'm done raiders up next bill belichick the Patriots come to town a week from Sunday, a game the Raiders have already been flexed out of. So the Raiders are now 5-8, and eight, and yes, actually they do have, they do have a 2.1% chance of making the playoffs. And if somehow the Raiders win their next three games, you just watch. We're, we're force-fed this whether we like it or not, and I see right through it. So there you have it. Uh... It's a pyrrhic victory for the Rams. They're not really going anywhere. I, I don't know what, you know, look, it's the National Football League. They say on any given Sunday, well, maybe it's on any given Thursday. I mean, it's already it's already been a crazy year, as I just mentioned. You got a five-win team favored over a 10-win team Sunday. All all kinds of things. The Vikings, they're 9-0 in one-score games. In 12 games, the Vikings have been out-yarded in 10-12. These things just don't happen, right? But they are happening. And that's why we love this, and that's why we can't get enough of it. Speaking of can't getting enough of, the World Cup is 17 days old, but there's still a lot left, a couple of phenomenal games today. We were down to the quarterfinals. Now we're down to six teams. Real quickly, I'm going to tell you what you need to know before we get to John Orlando at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Folks, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio in the IRAT Radio app presented by BetMGM. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio.
This is Steve Cavino and Rich Davis, and together we are Cavino and Rich. Cavino and Rich. Thanks, buddy. Uh, that's right, Cavino and Rich, Fox Sports Radio's newest hit show. Heard weekdays from 5 to 7 Eastern, 2 to 4 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Every Cavino and Rich show is available as a podcast. Just search Covino and Rich wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. I'm such a rockin' dude. The show features our unique take on sports, injected with some fun, humor, and relatability. Listen to Covino and Rich five days a week on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Covino and Rich, give me a hell yeah. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Bottom of the hour, John Orlando joins us to talk UFC 282, among other things. But when you woke up this morning, we're 17 days in the World Cup, and I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, and when you woke up this morning, Brazil was the clear favorite. They hadn't really been tested yet. They basically cruised through the group stage before hammering South Korea. We knew that Croatia would present a much tougher challenge than they did. It went extra time, and Croatia won. That left the Netherlands and Argentina, the number three seed. Uh, I have Argentina winning it, but what do I know? Argentina did rebound nicely. They had that shocking loss to Saudi Arabia, basically three wins away from giving Lionel Messi his first ever World Cup. Well, they struggled. I would give Netherlands a ton of credit. Once again, that game went extra time, but Argentina prevailed. So Saturday, December 10th, we've got France and England. France is the number four seed. They're trying to become the third country in history to win back-to-back World Cups. Italy did it back in the 30s. Brazil did it back in the 50s. It's not done that often. England has basically had the best start of any team. They've had three clean sheets. They finally cruised past Senegal in the round of 16. So they're trying to get to the semifinals for the second straight year. England and France Saturday. Uh, I mentioned the Netherlands. They conceded just two goals so far heading into today. They got hammered. Uh, well, they did check that. They get hammered. They they beat. They were beaten uh, by Ar- Argentina, who basically outlasted them. But it wasn't easy. Finally, it was Monaco and Portugal. Portugal's the number nine seed. They just got done beating Switzerland six to one. That's like a football game, ninety six to ten. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos got a hat trick. After uh, it was funny because here's the angle to that Cristiano Ronaldo. And if you listen to Chris's reports the last few months, Ronaldo's had kind of a rocky few months, right? He was benched. He didn't start for for Portugal. And Gonzalo Ramos, 
uh, no relation to the great John Ramos here of uh, Fox Sports Radio. Of course, not, for all I know, he might be. Ramos steps in, scores a hat trick. The only hat trick of the tournament, I think. Uh, and he was Ronaldo's replacement. So Portugal will face Morocco. Now, they're the 22nd ranked team. But, you know, this is the first time they've ever been in the quarterfinals. And this has not been an easy tournament for anybody, really. Uh, they beat Spain, a quality team, in a shootout Morocco did. And uh, Ghana was the last African quarterfinalist 12 years ago. And uh, it's only happened, African to get into the quarterfinalists has only happened three or four times in history. So Morocco is sort of like that darling team. They only got a 3% chance to win. Uh, Croatia, uh, you know, uh, did I mention Croatia and Brazil? Yeah, they, 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 uh, Brazil lost to Croatia in extra time again. Croatia is, is for real. They haven't blown anybody away, but, man, they, they're tough. They are gritty and tough. They beat Japan in extra time. They, they had a nice run to the World Cup four years ago. It's turning out that was not a fluke. So heading into today, I mean, Brazil had a 33% chance of winning this tournament based on the odds. Portugal, 14%. England, 14%. Argentina, 13 France, 12 <coughs> Excuse me. So let's flip because what does that translate to uh, in the world of betting? Again, uh, the quarterfinals got underway this morning and the tournament favorite Brazil got eliminated by Croatia via penalty kicks. And then the second quarterfinals match on Friday, uh, if you bet the Netherlands, you, 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 they were, you know, again, draw and regulation, but it went extra time and Argentina comes away with the win. So Argentina and Croatia advance. The key is with the victory, Messi and Argentina, now they, Argentina, is now installed as the new favorite at uh, plus 187. Um, and, and what does that mean? Okay, that means if you want to bet now who's going to win the World Cup, $100 on Argentina would net you $187. If you want to bet France, and they're alive, they're very alive, uh, bet France, $100 brings you back $300. England, $100 would bring you back $450. Portugal, same situation, $100 brings you back $450. Croatia, a real dark horse, but you don't go to sleep on them. They're 9 to 1. And Morocco, of course, they are the long shot, 28 to 1 to win it. Now, we haven't talked about the golden boot. I couldn't have been more wrong. I thought England's Harry Kane would make a run at the golden boot, and that doesn't appear to be the case because Mbappe of France, and I just realized he's kid's 24 years old. I think he makes like $90 million a year. He's already got five goals in this tournament. Now, the golden boot is awarded to the player who scores the most goals in the tournament. Okay? So, Kylian Mbappe of France has five goals. You'll see France play England Saturday. Messi of Argentina, he's in the running. Bukayo Saka of England is in the running. Cody Gopko of the Netherlands was in the running. He's been eliminated, and same with Charleston of Brazil. They all have three goals, obviously, the ones that have been eliminated. Not so much. Uh, you're not going to, obviously, you're not going to find them uh, winning the, the World Cup. However, Again, you've also got now top goal scorer odds, and Kylian Mbappe is is a prohibitive favorite. He's you got to lay two hundred just to win a hundred for him to win. But don't go to sleep on Messi. Messi could pull out a great game, 
hundred dollars will bring you back three fifty. Saka, and this is where it gets crazy. Hundred dollars will bring you back thirty three hundred dollars on guys like Saka. Harry Kane, forget it. He's forty to one. Cristiano Ronaldo's eighty to one for crying out loud. So uh, you know, I, I mean, it's a prop bet. You know, and 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 you realize I don't bet prop bets, but this is all uh, this is all part of the fun, right? Who will win the golden boot? I, I, I'm guessing it's going to be Mbappe. He looks incredible. 24 years old. We'll probably talk about him later in the show. All right, coming up, we're going to be joined by John Orlando. Uh, John hosts a couple of podcasts with our guy, Bill Crackman Krakenberger, that you hear Saturday morning. Check that Sunday morning on Countdown to Kickoff here on Fox Sports Radio. Legend here in Vegas. And so is John. And so is his father, uh, Tony. But John's an expert on the UFC. We'll talk UFC and the Cowboys, uh, among other things, and those are John's areas of expertise. But first, let's go to our guy, Kevin Figures with the latest. All right, Bernie, the NBA Friday night, the Bucks defeated Dallas 106-105, to 105, 28 points and 10 boards for Giannis Antetokounmpo there, 35 points and 7 rebounds for Zion Williamson as he helped the Pelicans to a 128-117 to 117 victory over Phoenix. New Orleans, the best record in the Western Conference at 17-8. and eight. Rudy Gobert with 22 points Fantastic. and 13 boards against his former team. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves beating Utah 118-108. 22 points and 13 boards there for Rudy Gobert. Philadelphia blowing a nine-point lead with 30 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. Did not hold on, or I should say they did hold on to beat the Lakers in overtime. Joel Embiid, 38 points in the victory. Kings Magic and Pacers with victories. Kevin Durant scored 33 points to lead the Nets to a 120-116 victory over Atlanta. The NFL Giants running back Saquon Barkley questionable against Philadelphia with a neck injury. Derwin James of the Chargers doubtful for Sunday night against the Dolphins with a thigh injury. Longtime American soccer journalist Grant Wall passed away tragically at the age of 49 on Friday while covering the World Cup in Qatar. In college hoops number 18, Gonzaga defeated Washington 77 to 60. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right, thanks so much, Kevin. At this time, let's uh, welcome in a gentleman, great guy. He's the host of the Action Junkies podcast, co-host of the Wisecracks with our guy Bill Krakenberger, who you hear every Sunday morning. Say hello to John Orlando. John, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I just want to clarify one thing for your audience. I am not an expert in anything. <laughs> well, the great ones are always humble. I mean, uh, weren't you just backstage with Adam Sandler a few minutes ago? Dude, I, 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 I'm not like a name dropper, but I, I'm trying to process what just happened to me in the last 30 minutes. First of all, you know, Adam does a we, – we went to the Adam Sandler 8 p.m. show over at Cosmo here in Vegas. I assumed the show would end by like 10, 1030. 10:40. He's still on stage, crushing it, and I'm like, shit. Uh, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go uh, mess this up. You know, so I shot you that text and said, hey, I might need 15 minutes, and I knew we were going to end up backstage. We get backstage. It's me, my dad, my girlfriend Vanessa, and uh, Dana White's back there. Uh, Luke Wilson's back there. Rob Schneider's on tour with Adam, so he's back there. I mean, it was it was crazy. Uh, and uh, really, really fun, fun, fun times. It's okay to be a name dropper. We all do it, and it's fun. <laughs> Why not? And by the way, let's also drop another name. Your dad, the legendary Tony Orlando of Tony Orlando and Don, who owned the airwaves in the 70s. His, his music still resonates today. Great guy. Uh, we had dinner a month or two ago, uh, and he's the nicest guy ever. Right, John, let's dive into UFC yeah. 282, because there's a couple of fights I want you to look at. I want sure. to start with the lightweight co-main. Is it true Patty Pimblett is drawing comparisons to Conor McGregor, and are those comparisons 
uh, appropriate. You know, I'm a diehard Conor McGregor fan. Uh, I, I know, you know, he's become more controversial in the last few years than he was, you know, when he first came up, uh, you know, a lot of people think, you know, he used to be kind of funny. Now he's more maybe on the arrogant side, whatever. I'm still a big fan. I don't like when people compare anyone to Connor. There's only one Connor, but I do agree with you. I think Patty, uh, Patty the Batty might be the next Connor McGregor. I mean, he's got all the swagger. He's got the talent. Um, you know, he's, uh, He's, he's definitely one to watch. He's the next uh, big star, I think, coming out of the UFC for sure. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that, John. We're talking with John Lorlando, the Wise Cracks and uh, Action Junkies podcast. Uh, John, uh, listen, the UFC has thrived on its star power for the better part of two decades, from the Chuck Liddells to the Conor McGregors, right on down the line, right? Anderson Silva's, and we're looking for that new wave. And maybe a Patty Pimble. For instance, in Saturday's card, probably the most recognizable name is Robbie Lawler, right? He's on the card, I believe. But who are the next stars to watch for in in the UFC that will become household names? Uh, yeah, actually, Robbie actually ended up uh, pulling out of the fight. Oh. He's not actually fighting tomorrow. He uh, it was an undisclosed reason. I'm not, I haven't heard what the reason is, but he's actually out. And um, Alex Morono, who is a badass in his own right, stepped in on short notice to fight Santiago Ponzinibbio. That's going to be a banger of a fight. That honestly might even be a better matchup than the original, uh, than, than Ponzinibbio versus Lawler. Because Lawler, you know, let's face it, he was, he's obviously a legend. He's a former champ, but he, uh, he's on the back end of his career. Alex is kind of a, also an up-and-comer. That's, that's, that's going to be a great fight. But to answer your question... Um, there are a lot of big names, uh, new names to watch. Obviously, Patty the Batty, uh, Patty Pimblett is one of them. Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell is another guy you got to have your eyeballs on. And um, also Sean O'Malley, Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, those three guys specifically, I think, are the new, uh, the new guys that, are, that you're going to be hearing about for a very long time. There's also, uh, not to jump ahead of you, uh, Bernie, but Raul Rosas Jr., this kid is 18. He, uh, he fought his way into the UFC this season, this year, this summer on the Contender Series, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, at the age of 17. He had to get special clearance uh, to be drug tested because you have to be 18 normally to be drug tested. So he had to get basically a note from his mommy saying he could, he could be drug tested. Uh, this, kid, <laughs> this kid has got so much confidence at, at a young 18. Like, can you imagine... Fighting your way into the UFC at 17 years old uh, and now getting your first fight. Your first fight in the UFC is going to be at T-Mobile Arena on a card that is absolutely stacked in Las Vegas. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. If that's not the American dream, I don't know what is. Talking with John Orlando, USC 282. By the way, didn't Randy Couture's son Ryan fight at 17 in the UFC or am I wrong? Uh, I don't think he was 17. As far as I know, uh, I know Ryan was young. As far as I know, um, Raul's the youngest guy okay. to ever get signed. Yeah, yeah. It's funny Is you he mentioned Ryan. I just, saw Ryan Couture, I just saw Ryan Couture last night at the uh, World MMA Awards. I actually saw dropping. him fight I'm that right on your show. I come on your show and I just start dropping names, Bernie. I'm still, that's what we do here. That's what we do, John. We're just going to go three straight hours, drop names, and if we need more time, we're just going to go yeah. right on through the night, man. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I saw uh, him fight that Rice House kid back in the day. So I'm not, Is he still um, 
Is he still fighting Ryan Couture? Uh, no, I don't believe so. He he runs uh, you know Extreme Couture Gym. Right. Okay. Uh, on Sunset. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think he's I think his fighting days are behind him. Uh, but he's a really great guy, and uh, he's he's got a really good gym. He's got a lot of a lot of good guys coming out. Jimmy, you know, Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champ, trains at that gym. Oh wow! All yeah. right, so let's look at the main event. John Blockowitz, I think he's like forty years old now, against Magomed Ankalaev. Uh What are your thoughts on that fight? Blockowitz is ten years older, but the, everything else is about the same. He's got a little bit more reach. But that's your main yeah. event Saturday night. Talk about that. This is going to be a good one, man. I mean, you've got, uh, I mean, Brahovic has one-punch knockout power. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to my girlfriend today because I was watching the Embedded series. And, like, this guy trained. He's from Poland. I mean, can you imagine training in Poland? You know, here in the States, obviously MMA is huge. There's so many people here that, that train and jiu-jitsu specialists and wrestling specialists and striking and boxing. This guy's in Poland. And, and at one point was the champ. Uh, you know, he lost his, his, the belt to uh, Glover Teixeira. But, um, you know, and now he's fighting for the belt again uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but he's got a tough customer up against uh, Magomed Ankalev. This guy is for real. You know, I don't know what they're feeding these fighters in Russia, in, in Khabib uh, land. But um, they, these guys are churning out wrestlers and fighters that they've got cardio for days and the, the skill set is unbelievable um i think it's going to be a really good fight but uh, i i i uh, if i'm a betting man which i am uh i think the parlay of patty uh pimblet and uh Ankelev is the way to go i know bill krakenberger would be frowning on me right now because i'm giving out two ridiculously uh, heavy favorites Big as favorites, a parlay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I just don't see I don't see how either one of those guys are losing. Anybody else on the card? Darren Till, Bryce Mitchell, some of the you know other fights that that yeah. Um, go ahead, man. I, I tell you, if, if if you're not a diehard UFC fan, this is the spot. This is the card to convert you into a fan. I mean, from the prelims on. Um, I mean, on early prelims. Billy Quarantillo, um, he's amazing against Alexander Hernandez. That is a banger. Chris Curtis and Joaquin Buckley. Um, you know, Curtis is a, is a beast. Uh, Buckley is, is, is a beast in his own right. Uh, Buckley's got some insane knockouts under his belt. He's a big favorite. But Chris Curtis, man, uh, you know, another guy that's training out of Extreme Couture. Um, you know, I, I like the odds on Chris Curtis. I think he's like plus 145. This card is absolutely stacked. Um, Chris Dawkins and um, Jarzino Rosenstrike, a uh, couple of heavyweights. Um, Dawkins has one-punch knockout power. I mean, any heavyweight has one-punch one knockout power. But I'm telling you, this card is crazy. Uh, you mentioned Darren Till. Uh, you know, this is like a must-win for Darren Till. Um, you know, he, he came out uh, as, as in the welterweight division, um, had trouble making weights. So he's kind of been – they kind of made him move up to – middleweight you know uh this this guy we thought he was going to be the champion i mean i think he opened up his career maybe seven and oh or eight and oh um you know darren till is an absolute savage uh but he's got one tough customer ahead of him and um yeah. yeah and uh you know i don't know it's a, you know this is one of those i'm a big darren darren till fan but i respect his opponent so much i i, I can't figure out if i'm betting with my heart or uh, my head 
wanting to bet on Till. I just feel I like when guys are in, uh, especially someone like Till, who he's he's a, he's still young. He's in his 20s, but I'd consider him a veteran. He's been in there with the best of the best. Um, and when his when when you have a guy whose back is up against the wall in a must win, like he must win. Um, uh, you know, I, I I'll, I'll take that and and the plus. 150 all day long. So I'm, I'm actually going to ride with Till on this one. One last thing on UFC, and then we'll wrap it up. I have one other uh, subject we're going to talk about. Yeah. Why was the Ovince St. Prue fight canceled? I, I, he's a freak show. Even though his record's 26 and 16, he looks like a runaway Coke machine. The guy's amazing. What, what, do you know why that fight was canceled? I don't know, but I'm glad you brought him up because, and his record, you know, that's what I think makes MMA so great. Um, not to not to be down on boxing, but you know, in MMA, you see the matchups that you should and want to see in the timeline that you want to see them. Meaning, we we saw Mayweather versus Pacquiao too late. We saw, you, you know what I mean? There, there's right. Those, no, Dana White so talked about boxing, that. Yeah, yeah. There's so, Dana's right. You know, there's so many boxing matchups that you just you wait too long. By the time you see them, you're either over it or it's not. It's not the matchup. It's not the the, the prime, matchup of two guys in their prime. UFC, you're facing murderer after murderer. And, um, like, to your point, like, OST, you know, tw- what did you say his record was? 24 and 16? 26 and 16. Yeah, Vince St. Prue, yeah. He, I, yeah, I, I know if you're a boxing fan, you sit there and you go, oh, that guy sucks. Um, but it's just not the way it works. You know, no. this is a sport where if you make a mistake in the octagon, you're going to lose the fight. If you make a mistake in the boxing ring, you might get knocked down, but then you got eight seconds. You know, you, you're going to have your standing eight count, and, and you're going to continue to fight. Um, you know, in MMA, you, you make a mistake, you get knocked down, and then they're going to, you know, ground and pound or get on, get on top of you and submit you. It's just the stakes are so much higher in MMA. Um, it's why the sport is so exciting because you, you always see the fights that you want to see when you're going to see them. And I don't know if you've heard this today. I'm sorry if I'm rambling. Um, Bernie, uh, I'm just pumped up for this card. But I heard today that Dana mentioned Conor McGregor, when he comes back, is most likely going to fight Michael Chandler. Um, that is a banger of a fight. I don't know when that would take place. Maybe if I'm guessing, I'm just speculating, maybe July for International Fight Week or something. But um, that is a banger of a card. John, great stuff. Uh, we, we unfortunately are out of time. Let's get you on again. And uh, if you only knew how close it was that Aaron Judge was going to be a giant, if you only knew, but it didn't happen, you were right, and, and good on you, and uh, we'll get you on down the road to talk about that and some other things, John. Bernie, I would love that, and I just want to tell you that I told my dad, last thing I told my dad is I put him in this car at Valet just now. I said, I got to go because I'm on with Bernie live on his uh, Fox Sports uh, radio show. And he said, I love Bernie. I talk to him all the time. He texts me. <laughs> That's right. That's right, baby. Mama, he's my dude. All right, John, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your Thank evening. Thank you. Appreciate you. It's John Orlando, Action Junkies podcast, Wisecracks with Billy Krakenberger. You hear him Sunday morning here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up, we'll tell you about life without Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers and the reality, among other NFL tidbits, as we head into week 14. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. 
Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratter Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Back on the Bernie Fratter Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Top of the hour. Take your calls. 877-99 on Fox. Line them up. You guys wanted to do it? We're going to do it. Look forward to hearing from you. Lots of stuff on the docket as we head into NFL Week 14, and I'm going to get to college football, get to some transfer portal stuff. Hey, it's not too soon. We'll preview the final games, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. But real quickly, I mentioned the 49ers. By the way, the Niners, they're home Sunday against the Tampa Bay Bucks, laying three and a half. And the Niners are eight and four this year, five and one at home, four and two against the spread. None of that, though, is without Jimmy G. Without Jimmy G in his career, Kyle Shanahan is nine and twenty-nine. With Jimmy G, thirty-eight and seventeen. With Jimmy G, the Niners are thirty-two and twenty-three against the spread. Without Jimmy G, they're sixteen and twenty-two against the spread. With Jimmy G. The Niners and Kyle Shanahan, uh, 27 points per game. Without Jimmy G, the Niners have averaged 19 points a game. As you can see, there's a difference. This is a quasi-playoff game for seeding. And I think Tampa Bay, look, they're 6-6 six and six now. Would not surprise me if Tampa Bay wins outright, although they've been terrible 1-8-1 and one against the number this year. But this is one of the – look, this is the thing with the card – in, in week 14, division, divisional games, seven divisional games, which means there are seven divisional dogs. Divisional dogs have been money. Divisional unders have been money. 34 and 18 to the under in 2022, divisional unders. There's several of them. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Jets, Buffalo, Philadelphia, New York Giants, Kansas City, Denver, Minnesota, Detroit. Now, that game's indoors, so I might be a little careful uh, with that one. And uh, you've already, you know, all right, so you get the picture on that. By the way, the Cowboys, I didn't get to John. He loves the Cowboys, and he thought they'd have a great year. And I, I, I'm going to, I'm about to take my medicine. They've done a great job this year. But they're laying 17 and a half to the Houston Texans. So, again, be careful when you, when you bet a dog of 14 or more points in the last 10 years, blindly, you're cashing 67% of the times. I do not agree that you should ever lay double digits in the NFL. I've said it a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand 
more times. You really have to hold your nose to play that game or don't play it at all. But why lay it when dogs of 14 or more in the last 10 years cashing blindly at 67%? All right. Forget Black Friday. Forget uh, Cyber Monday. How about Transfer Portal Monday? I've got all the details. Keep it locked. This is Bernie Fratto. That's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We are coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Follow me on Twitter, at Bernie Fratto. And if you'd like to jump in and join us tonight, be part of the action, 877 99 on Fox. All right. The transfer portal is here. My goodness gracious. Forget Black Friday. Forget Cyber Monday. Say hello to Transfer Portal Monday. This last Monday, December 5th, was the busiest day in the history of the transfer portal. How wild was it? Based on how many players announced on social media they intended to transfer, well, you knew heading into the day there were at least going to be 200 they would pop up on the portal December 5th. Here's the final count for one day. One day, Monday alone. 456 FPS players entered the portal. 456. That's like the equivalent of eight rosters. Or Here's the deal. And by the way, they're all these are all scholarship players too. That's 265, or actually 268 were on Power 5 rosters. And another 188 on current group of five schools. They all hit the market in one day. Now, Tuesday rolled around and it slowed down a little bit, but they keep steadily keep rolling in all week long. It's unreal. We're, we're approaching, we're almost to 1,000 now. I think we are probably around 1,000 or over 1,000, and that's just since Monday. And, and by the way, it's all positions. 38 quarterbacks have entered the transfer portal. 38 quarterbacks. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State. DJU from Clemson. Hudson Card from Texas. You remember him before Quinn Ewers got there. And then Devin Leary of NC State. They're the biggest names in the portal. There were eight that entered the portal this year. Remember, that's how, how you think Caleb Williams and Bo Nix ended up at their schools, right? So you shouldn't be surprised but these numbers are staggering. 38 quarterbacks, 34 running backs, 67 wide receivers, 18 tight ends, 42 offensive linemen, 58 defensive linemen, 52 linebackers, 87 def defensive backs. It goes on and on and on. The trends are through the charts. And there's plenty of every position, plenty of every shape and size and school. And among the hundreds, and these are basically free agents now, Okay. And as I mentioned, some of them are pretty big names. Uh, look at all, just the ACC quarterbacks alone. D, uh, Clemson's DJU. NC State's Devin Leary. Virginia's Brennan Armstrong. Georgia Tech's Jeff Sims. Keaton Slovis, who'd already transferred from USC to Pitt. He's on the move again. Phil Jerkovic from Boston College. What the hell's going on in the AFCC? Everybody's leaving. Now, actually, Phil Jerkovic pledged to stay in the conference but he's going to move to Pitt. <laughs> it's incredible. It, it's just it's a whole new college world out there. Another player in that conference that's going to get big-time interest. And, again, 
college football players are stars now. They 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 have you know NIL deals. They have names. Um, look, you know you're going to hear these names. Uh, Virginia has a cornerback named Fentrell Cypress. You'll hear about him. Uh, he's transferring for Virginia, but believe it or not, there are already three schools: Ohio State, Tennessee, and Ole Miss that want him. Why? He led the ACC in pass breakups last year, and uh, he's graded number one in his position by multiple sites. Indiana had a true freshman named Dason McCullough. He was also a, an edge defender. He had like 50 tackles and 20 pressures and sacks and breakups for loss, all that kind of stuff. These are household names you're going to hear as it goes on and on and on. Even offensive guards. Arizona State has a guy named Ladarius Henderson. He hit the portal on Monday. And, and you know, guys from UTEP and South Carolina. Wide receiver is an absolute loaded position. And, 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 you know, the way the rules changes are now, where it's basically become basketball on turf, I'm not surprised that wide receivers are, are basically at a premium. Texas Xavier Worthy, Texas A&M Evan Stewart, they enter the portal, leaving big schools. Arizona's Dorian Singer. Um, he he's in the portal as well. Bunch of other guys, you know, Central Florida's Ryan O'Keefe, uh, Dante Cephas, the, the brother of Quintess Cephas. From he's at Kent State. He's transferring. Uh, there's too many to name, and then you start mentioning names, and it kind of spins off the rails. Suffice it to say that the portal is not only an idea whose time apparently has come, but it's an idea that's uh, gonna stay now. You're not going to believe it. Guess which Power 5 program, this really surprised me, guess which Power 5 program had more players enter the transfer portal in this recent cycle, these last six days, than any other school? The Alabama Crimson Tide. Wow. They had 19 players head into the portal since Monday, including 12 who are on scholarship. They're all defections. Now, Primarily, there are a couple positions, five around the offensive line. Imagine that, Saban losing five offensive linemen uh, leaving the portal, although only one was a full-time starter, and then three wide receivers leaving. Now, if you watched Alabama this season, and you probably got the impression that Saban and his staff would be be hitting the portal to upgrade a wide receiver because Alabama was really spoiled in 2021. You know, they had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. And then they, they had a pretty good class coming in. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, he, he led the Tide receiving this last season, but he's the only one left. So with all the roster rules and changes and players leaving Alabama and blue-chip transfers and, you know, coming out, new, new blue-chip transfers coming in, it, it's kind of fascinating to see how guys like Saban, who've been around a long time, deal with this new era of college football. Perhaps one of the biggest names – and this this story made you know got real big news back in August when Jim Harbaugh in Michigan decided uh, to wait 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 before he announced who the starting quarterback would would be. I mean, remember this is wasn't that long ago. It was in August. Would it be Cade McNamara, the young man who transferred from Nevada to Michigan, who brought Michigan their only Big Ten title since 2004? Would it be Cade McNamara or J.J. McCarthy? Well, J.J. McCarthy won the job, and it turned out to be a very good decision. Michigan's had a stellar year. So guess what happened? And Cade McNamara, he entered the transfer portal Monday as well. Michigan quarterback, former Michigan quarterback, who was very popular among his teammates, entered the transfer portal. 
But it wasn't just that he entered the transfer portal. He transferred to Iowa. And, you know, the Michigan opened the door for him. They got it. McCarthy's going to be a three-year starter. And it's really interesting because McNamara is a graduate transfer now. He's, he's old getting up there. But he's still got two years of eligibility. And Iowa needs a quarterback. I mean, Iowa's always got a good defense. And they have pretty sometimes good skill players. But, man, they, they, they need help at quarterback. So, Here's the situation, you know, which you hope, and this is what quarter, this is what players want, certainly quarterbacks. When you enter the transfer portal, you are hoping for a welcoming environment. All right, every team scours the portal. They want to find missing pieces. Iowa, I think, has found a missing piece. This feels like a mutually beneficial uh, opportunity. It's a win-win opportunity situation. I think this is about as close to a perfect combination as you can find. A quarterback who's already won a Big Ten championship going to a school that would like to win a Big Ten championship in Iowa. Iowa very much needed a quarterback for 2023. Their 2022 offense, their offense ranked among the worst in the country in virtually every category. You know how many touchdown passes Iowa quarterbacks combined for this year? Six. Hell, I think McNamara threw that in one game. By the way, that was against seven interceptions. And it wasn't much better in 2021. They threw a grand total of 12 Touchdown passes, Iowa in 2021 and 11 interceptions. So in two years, a two-year total, 18 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Iowa quarterbacks only completed a little bit over 50% of their passes, and that number fell this year. So you can't win a championship with those kind of numbers. And if it wasn't for Iowa's defense and special teams, I don't even think Iowa would be bowl eligible. So that is something to really watch in 2023. How will Cade McNamara step in and help the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, and, and, and by the way, I don't want to bash Iowa because the truth of the matter is you just go back five years. They had a quarterback named Nate Stanley. He was pretty good. He actually threw like 70 touchdown passes in his career, three-year starter, even threw 26 touchdowns, I think, in one year, three seasons. These last three seasons, Iowa's quarterbacks have combined for 27. Nate Stanley was was pretty good. So McNamara provides that boost, and listen, at 20 – in 2021, and by the way, McNamara, good size, 6'1", 206. In 2021, let's give McNamara a little bit of love, okay, because he's been overshadowed by J.J. McCarthy. But again, Cade McNamara broke the streak, helped Michigan win their first Big Ten title since 2004. And in 2021, McNamara completed 65% of his passes. Iowa hasn't had a quarterback hit to 60% in seven years. McNamara threw for 2,600 yards, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions in 2021. And in the playoff, McNamara, I believe, against Iowa, was like 17-24 when Michigan blasted Iowa last year in Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship game. And he was also, the, you know, he was the starting quarterback in uh, against Iowa. So, uh, you know, uh, the circle of life, as it were. The bottom line is Cade McNamara is a good quarterback. He's tough. He'll hang in the pocket. He's accurate. He's smart. He's very crisp and meticulous with his habits, all right? He actually had committed to Notre Dame back in the day. He was actually very heavily recruited by Alabama before he signed with Michigan. But again, he got locked up in that competition with J.J. McCarthy. And even though McNamara started the season opener, he basically saw limited snaps in the second game, threw one pass in the third game, and then they completely shut down the season because... He sustained a knee injury, and McNamara did, which actually required surgery. Uh, 
So, you know, give it up to Cade McNamara. Uh, he he left the cupboard good for J.J. McCarthy. McCarthy, you know, again brought Michigan their second straight Big Ten title and earning the starting role. And, and there was just – McNamara was not going to be the starter at Michigan anymore. And uh, Iowa has sold out every game. They're going to – he's McNamara is going to find open arms and welcoming hands – and I think the better he plays, the more loved he's going to become. Uh, McNamara is the type of guy that has the potential of being all Big Ten. The last time Iowa had an all Big Ten quarterback was 2004 when they had Drew Tate. And if McNamara gets to that status, remember, he was third-team all Big Ten in 2021. Here's a guy that's also going to profit off his name, image, and likeness. So you have to be, you have to be very happy for Will or for uh, for Cade McNamara because his teammates showed him nothing but love and and respect and and to that end uh, you know when you have a Hawkeyes defense that's number one nationally in yards per play and fifth in total defense and sixth in scoring defense add a quarterback and an offense and they compete for a Big Ten title. All right, let's go out to the phone lines. We've got Will from Iowa. He wants to talk Iowa football. Will, what's on your mind? Yeah, thank you. Uh, just wanted to uh, talk about kind of how Kirk Ferentz addr- addresses the Iowa offense. And I know a lot of people, I'm one of those people that can't stand the fact that Brian Ferentz is still the coordinator at Iowa. But uh, if we look back to 2015, we saw when there was a lot of, there was a lot of conversation and complaining about the Iowa offense at that time. And although people like to talk about Kirk being old school, he made an, he made a concerted effort at that time to kind of change the way that the offense was going to operate and that led them to great things in 2015. And I really think that's kind of what's going on right now. People are frustrated, upset. Kirk's understanding he might still keep Brian around and people are going to be angry about it, but they've brought in Cade at this point. And I really think that there's probably going to be some changes that people aren't expecting in the offense over the next year with Cade McNamara at the helm. And regardless of who they bring in at the wide receiver position or continue to throw the ball to the tight ends that are established, I think that there's really going to be some change there. Well, I was – listen, these last couple of years have been outliers. Uh, Iowa's offenses, they're not great, but they're not that bad. And you mentioned tight end, guys like T.J. Hawkinson. Iowa had three or four straight years where they put a guy in the NFL. So it's not that their offenses have been terrible over the years. It's just been the last couple of years. Is Will still there? All right. Yeah, uh, I, no, no, absolutely. I, go ahead, I you got the last word. Saying. I mean, yeah, no – and I just think it's it's one of those situations where people are always doubt Kirk, and I've been one of those people that have doubted Kirk over the years. But I think that he's making, and I think bringing in Cade shows that he's making a concerted effort to possibly change what the offense is going to do the next year. Sounds good. All right, thanks a lot, Will. And uh, Iowa football is a very respected program. You don't just stroll into Kinnick and win. If I would have had any kind of offense the last couple of years, uh, they would have been much better than they would have shown, and I, I think that gets fixed uh, next year. By the way, speaking of the name Cade, that's why DJU is transferring from Clemson. Uh, Clemson thumped North Carolina 39-10, to and after some dabbles when he finally said his star recruit, Kate Klubnick, would finally be the starter going forward. He addressed DJU's future, 
And so what, the, 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 when DJ found out he's going to be the backup, he, he, you know, he realized time for me to go and, uh, and we'll catch you down the road. And I think Cade Klubnick is, is, is very much uh, the right decision here. Um, let's uh, squeeze one more in. Uh, Dean from Denver. He's uh, Dean, welcome to the Bernie Fratto Show. What's on your mind? Hey, Bernie, good to talk to you again, man. Hey, uh, listen, I'm a, as big a Michigan fan as there is, and we all love Cade, and we were kind of hoping to see him go somewhere out of the Big Ten, but, but like you said, you know, we, we think that I was a great fit for him. Uh, we're just glad to not have him on the schedule next year. Uh, the only time we would see him would be in the Big Ten championship game, but, no, man, we, we wish that guy nothing but the best. He right. definitely helped out our program, man. No question. Thanks for checking in, uh, Dean. And uh, I saw what Mike Sanders still said, and a lot of the players said, listen, you don't win a Big Ten championship in Michigan and just sail off into the sunset without basically being remembered forever. Uh, hang in there, scratch off from Arkansas. We'll get to you in just a minute. And I also want to talk about Deion Sanders meeting this week in Colorado. I thought it was epic. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific. 5 a.m. Eastern, a lot of stuff to get to. And before I get to the epic Deion Sanders uh, opening speech at Colorado this week, let's go back out to the phone lines. We're joined by Scratch Off from Arkansas. What's up, buddy? What's up, Sir Friday? Oh, you doing okay, buddy? I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'll tell you one thing, man. I'm pumped. I just had a guy who twit me a while ago about them Rams, you know, farming bosses, late 1970s and not living by four hours from my house. I used to go to a lot of games. I miss them being in St. Louis, but I'll tell you what right now, last night, 13-3, 16-3, I'm like, <laughs> okay, what's going on? And after losing all this weight last few months, over 35 pounds, I got to put on one of my old jerseys, got Falk's name on the back of it, had my Rams hat on. I'm like, dude, we going to lose this game? Got Mayfield. I wasn't sure about him, but I'm going to tell you right now, you couldn't ask for a better ending of that game in three or four minutes. I was pumped, and I was driving this freight line as quick as I could go to be happy about it, you know. <laughs> well, it's it, the game took place down the street from Hollywood. It had a Hollywood scripted ending. Baker Mayfield just got to town 48 hours before, and the Raiders thought they had, you know, playoff aspirations. So I'm, I'm sorry, are you an Arkansas fan or a Ram fan? I, I, I fought at Rams for a long time, man. I, uh, I've been, we used to live up around that area. We've lived all over the world. 
And, uh, man, I tell you what, I've been a Rams fan when it was St. Louis Rams. And they moved and they came back. They'd ask me on the ticket in Jonesboro. They said, man, what are you going to do about your Rams? You going to get a new team? I said, no. We're used to backing up U-Haul trucks. I will never leave the Rams, you know. And so I finally got to wear my fault jersey. I got bought from a years ago. And every kid wear it, I was so big. And I finally put it on last night. It was loose as could be. There you go. <laughs> All anyway, right, scratch real quick, I'll let you go. Give me, your, give me your thing, and I'll get off here and let you talk about it. What do you think about a guy I've been following for years also, Jalen Hurts? you think he's going to keep going, or you think he'll fall apart in the first or second round? All right, thanks for checking in, Scratch Off. I love Jalen Hurts. He is ready to take it to take it to the pole. It would not surprise me if the Philadelphia Eagles get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Uh, it looks like, barring something crazy, that the road to the Super Bowl is going to go through Philadelphia. So they're going to have at least one home playoff game, maybe both home playoff games, and then the only road game they would have to play would be in Glendale, Arizona. And if you look around the league, I don't really have a hell of a lot of faith in Dak Prescott, although I've got to give the Cowboys their props. Uh, this is an elite defense. Mike McCarthy's done an outstanding job this year. He has. Listen, I batched a guy earlier in the year, but I, I, I have no problem admitting I'm wrong. And they're not, they haven't done anything yet. Right? They even haven't gotten over their win total of ten and a half. But I am not confident Dallas can stroll into Philadelphia, especially in the postseason, and win that game. I'm not so sure the 49ers can do it with Brock Purdy. I don't think they can do it with Brock Purdy. And, uh, you know, as Bum Phillips once said, I don't know who's at the top of the class in the NFC, but it don't take long to call roll. Philly's at the top of the class. Uh, you know, the New York Giants are probably going to sneak in. Dallas will be in the playoffs. Uh, do you really trust Kirk Cousins, especially on the road, outdoors, in the playoffs? I sure as hell don't. Now, there is Tom Brady looming, and, and, and Tampa Bay is going to make the playoffs, and I believe they'll have at least one home playoff game. And if you – listen, you match up Tom Brady with anybody in the NFC Championship game, and I'm getting way the hell ahead of myself. But that could be the Achilles heel. But I love what Philadelphia has done this year. I love what Jalen Hurts did at Alabama. I love the way he conducted himself when he unceremoniously lost his job to Tua Tagovailoa. He conducted himself with dignity, went to Oklahoma. I thought he was more of a thrower. Didn't didn't really become a, a, a passer until he got to the National Football League. But the one thing I really like about Jalen Hurts is he's a true dual threat, a true dual threat quarterback in the National Football League, which means he knows how to operate from the pocket and he can also run. College versions of dual threats like Justin Fields, their default mechanism is to run. Jalen Fields, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts can do it all. And so I think that matters. Makes Philadelphia very tough to defend. He can make every throw on the field. He's he's developed into that. He's grown into that. He got to Oklahoma, got under Lincoln Riley. We're talking about a Heisman Trophy type guy. Here's a situation where that got him in the league. In the league, he's made the most of his opportunities. And I think above and beyond all, his character, and his, he's a great field general. So, no, I love what Jalen Hurts is done this year he's a type of guy you root for and the philadelphia story is a great one remember the eagles have never won a super bowl uh so i'll oh, check that what am i what, what am i been drinking tonight of course they did they beat new england five years ago forgive me for that one folks i have not been drinking earlier in the field earlier in the night i was calling baker mayfield maker bayfield and now i full pot on philly coming up i want to talk about Dion sanders more your calls 877-99 on fox i love it man he basically told some folks in there 
remember the scene in Trading Places when the party was going on and Eddie Murphy wanted everybody out of the house? He goes, get the F out. That's what it sounded like. But Dion, hey, man, the dude has got the juice. He's got the cachet. He can do it. I'm going to talk about that meeting in Colorado and why I actually think it set a tone. For some people, they were insulted by it. Some people were put off by it. Other people were entertained, but everybody was reacting to it. We talk about Dion coming up. But first, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Figures, with the latest. All right, Bernie, Friday night in the NBA, Milwaukee won its fourth game in a row. They defeated the Mavericks 106-105 to despite 33 points from Luka Doncic. Pelicans won their sixth straight, a 128-117 to win over the Suns. 35 points there for Zion Williamson. Five straight wins for Memphis. They notch a 114-103 to victory over Detroit. Joel Embiid with 38 points, while DeAnthony Melton scored 33 for the 76ers. They notch an overtime victory over the Lakers in Philadelphia. Kyrie Irving, 33 points and 11 boards for the Nets in a victory over Atlanta. Orlando, Minnesota, and the Knicks with victories. Knicks with a victory over Charlotte, their third straight win. In college basketball, Drew Timmy scored 22 points, leading number 18 Gonzaga over Washington. World Cup quarterfinal action continues today on Fox. Morocco facing Portugal at 10 a.m. Eastern, followed by England facing France at 2 p.m. Eastern. Longtime soccer writer Grant Wall passed away tragically at the age of 49 after suffering a reported heart attack while covering the Argentina-Netherlands quarterfinal match on Friday. Back to Bernie Fratto. Kevin, I don't know if you had a chance to hear Jason and Mike talk about the Grant Wall story yeah. tonight. And uh, I love that show with Jason and Mike weeknights from 7 to 11. You think there's more to this story? I I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I will just tell you, I don't know if 48-year-olds keel over. I, I don't listen. I don't know anything. It just... A thought occurred to me. You wonder if there's more to the story. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it seems very bizarre. Now, I know there were reports, and I guess he had a blog that he was been writing talking about uh, he under, uh, undercame bronchitis. Uh, and yeah, now, whether or not that right. has, has anything to do with what happened, uh, the, and CBS is reporting that he had a heart attack, and nobody else has confirmed oh, that. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't, again, CBS is the, the only publication that has said that. I have not seen another publication confirm whether or not it actually was a heart attack. And even if it was, who's to say what caused it? Or who or what caused it. So I'm not 100% sure, but I, I also tried to avoid being a conspiracy theorist, but considering how outspoken he has been uh, about the issues uh, in mm-hmm. Qatar, um, let's just say it would not surprise me if foul play was involved. I'll say that. I, I just think the story will come out, whatever it is, and we'll all find out in, in hopefully fairly fairly quick uh, quick time. I understand the State Department and the Chief of Staff for Joe Biden has already been contacted, so his wife's a very prominent doctor, I believe. Yes, she I, is. So, all right, thanks a lot, Kevin. Appreciate yep. it, buddy. Uh, I love you. Listen, how many t- I've been on the show the uh, last three, several weeks talking about somebody hired Deion Sanders and stopped waiting around. Auburn wasn't interested. And maybe, you know what, maybe Deion benefits from that. Why bang your head in the, in the SEC when he can go to Colorado? I, I really believe he's bringing at least 15 guys over from, from Jackson State, but it should be no surprise – that when he stepped on the podium, when Deion Sanders stepped on the podium this earlier this week in, in, in the official introduction of Colorado, he actually made some waves. Now, listen, you're, gonna, you're never going to get me in and say anything bad about Deion. I love the dude. I think he's a CEO. We know he was a world-class athlete. He was a way above average Major League Baseball player, played in the World Series, way above average NFL player, set the world on fire at Florida State. The guy uh, is a leader, and he's exceedingly bright. He's successful at everything he does. He had a nice life in Dallas. He did some very philanthropic things at Jackson State. He said on 60 Minutes, hey, if they come calling, I got to look at them. So nobody should ever 
I, I thought what that announcer did it, 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 that HBCU game was wrong. Says I told you he wasn't H. What do you mean? What do you want the guy to do? And I, I guess the bottom line is this, and that is talented people get opportunities. So in the press conference, Sanders motioned to his son Shador, who was the quarterback to Jackson State, and he basically said he's going to be the Buffs' quarterback. End of story. I got a problem with that. Uh, Shador was, uh, you know, recruited by Alabama, recruited by USC. This is not nepotism. The kid can play. Watch him. Now, if they don't have success in the field in Colorado, we can have a conversation then. But why wouldn't he bring him as his starting quarterback? Colorado, they've got to start over. You know, back in the day, they were a great program. And I remember Mike Pritchard, who lives here in Las Vegas, a friend of mine, a national, he was the uh, MVP of the national championship game against Notre Dame back in 1990. Those were incredible teams. Eric Bieniemy. I mean, look, Colorado can get back to that point with Deion Sanders. I don't know if it's going to be overnight. And by the way, not for nothing, who does Colorado open up against? TCU at TCU. And by the way, if you really want to, if you did your homework, Sanders uh, reached out. He wanted the TCU job last year before they hired uh, Sonny Dykes. So that's just something else. Sanders also told the new team that for the first time, and the video cameras were rolling, he said, you should probably hit the transfer portal <laughs> as soon as possible. Here's the quote. Here's the money quote. This is just so gangster. I love this. He goes, quote, we got a few positions already taken. Because I'm bringing my luggage with me, and it's Louis Vuitton. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be good. And I hope they have success, because I always root for the stories. Now, look, not anybody could just get up and do what Deion Sanders did. We've seen some real dumb knucklehead press conferences, right? But Sanders has the clout to do this. He has the juice to do this, at least for now. And this is what the university needs. It's a floundering football program. It didn't used to be that way. And by the way, Mel Tucker was there, left after one year in 2019. Now, I, for my money, Dion's the hottest name on the market. I would have been cool if he would have been hired at USC before Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley got the job, worked out great. I, th- I think he, Auburn should have taken a flyer. They had no interest. Can you ma- Look, we've already seen the Aflac commercials with Saban. Can you imagine the Iron Bowl, Saban and Sanders? And by the way, Auburn, you can always get athletes there, and, and their standards are high. And this year, the Iron Bowl was a afterthought. Bama was a 22-point favorite because of all, you know, all the things that happened. And by the way, I think Auburn got themselves a fine coach in Hugh Freeze, and he's going to, I think, have success there. But turning your attention back to Sanders at Colorado, he still is gonna, he's still got a game to coach at Jackson State. He's going to coach in the Celebration Bowl next Saturday. But he did use this past weekend as an opportunity to show up at his new workplace and introduce himself. And uh, I, I, he, he cruises right into Boulder on a private jet, and he meets the Buffs players. They were 1-11 this year. And I don't care any way you slice it, he made quite an impression, right? Sanders also has a personal social media team, which is also headed up on, by one of his sons, Deion Sanders Jr. And they released about 15 minutes of the video, uh, the, uh, video footage. And that's why we got to see it. And I think his goal is to be a convincing leader. And I, I, I think he was, okay? He, he made, again, he said, we got a few positions taken care of. I'm bringing my luggage. And then he introduced his son, Shador. He'll be the new starting quarterback. I'm coming. I'm, I'm quoting Dion now. He says, I'm coming. And when I get here, it's going to be change. So I want you all to get ready. 
Go ahead and jump into that portal. Do whatever you're going to get because the more of you jump in, the more room we make. Oh, my God. That is just so badass. Oh, my God. Now, look, I played college baseball. And uh, I, I didn't play college football. No, but listen, and, and my daughter played Division One soccer. Every year, the coach has a one-on-one with your players. And if, if you don't fit in the program, they're going to look you in the eye and say, Listen, you can do whatever you want, but you're never going to see the field here again. And it usually, uh, and thank God that didn't happen to me or my daughter, but my point is is that they're pretty upfront with you. And they'll say, well, geez, uh, maybe I'll transfer to Fresno State. Would you call the coach for me? Yeah, and they'll help you. They'll help you transfer. Then they'll clear out a scholarship. Sanders kind of set the stage. You know, most, most reasonable people, most successful people just want to be told the truth. And so that's what Sanders is going to do. He's walking into a group that was 1-11, they're human beings. Maybe some want to stay and fight for their job. And I'm listen, if you can get Dion's attention and get on the field, I'm sure there'll be those opportunities. But it was it was almost like a dark comedy, what was happening. I, I don't think I've ever seen a press conference anything like that, right? He basically looked at a group and said, you're all a bunch of clowns, and you need to get the hell out so we can get a real football team in here. I mean, that, I don't know how else you you – you translate that eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. If you had a different, if you had a different read, it was like a dark comedy, right? Now, I'm not mixed up. I try to maintain my objectivity. This is going to strike some people as a poor way to go about, you know, making a first impression and inspiring the current members of the team that you might want to keep, because the show that Sanders put on. Here's the reality: it wasn't for the players in the room. Sanders knows as well as anybody. If he's going to turn that program around and turn it around quickly, it's going to largely depend on his ability to recruit and to send a signal to players, come on here, get get your butt here through the portal so we can do here what maybe Lincoln Riley did in USC. Maybe not one year, but you you, you get the picture, okay? That conference, press well, it wasn't a press conference. It was an was introductory conference. was not for the people in the room. And you've heard me say it before. Pete Rose once said, coaching – College football is like driving a stagecoach. Without the horses, you ain't going forward. Well, he's out there to get the horses, and I cannot wait to watch Colorado football in 2023. Look, this is not the worst game plan I've ever seen, and there's some risk, and there's some risk in making it public, but Sanders comes in, replaces his roster, puts his son a quarterback. Here's the only caveat. If the Buffs play like poop next year, well, this is going to come back on him. I don't think I'd be lining up to bet against Deion Sanders. Coming up, we talked about the Contemporary Era Committee last week. Fred McGriff made it in. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens didn't. We'll talk about it. By the way, the only huge deal this week was not just uh, 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 Aaron Judges. Trey Turner got a mega deal as well. Yeah, we talk a little hot stove. The baseball Winter meetings are, are raging, so uh, we're going to keep you filled in on all that as well. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, back on the Bernie Frater Show, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Chris in Maryland wants to check in on Deion Sanders. Chris, what do you got, man? Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Um, all right, so I, my first thing when I heard it was like I had uh, two thoughts. And I got a comment about the Bucks too, if you can ask my question. Um, so I, I heard it, you know, when they bring his son over. I was like, dang, so his son know how to compete against anybody else or you just give him positions? So when I thought about that, I was like, okay. But then again, I was like, oh, it's Deion Sanders. You know, you know, everywhere he go, camera's going to follow him. So... And he like brought his own a, cameras, right? And uh, if this was a coach that just started, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't um, done this. Just uh, Dion, you know, like he looks He's at prime. Like, coach Prime, need, man. Yeah, he don't need this job, so he could do it any way he want. He could take it. He's doing his approach on that. But um, I got a question about the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. A lot of, I mean, not a question, but uh, um, I'm a Falcons fan, so I'm not a Bucks fan. So I, I hear a lot of people. Uh, you know, uh, calling off Tampa, like uh, writing them off. But people don't know that, like, they're going to get their starting center back in a few weeks. Then uh, Tristan Work is coming back, the other lineman. Their mm-hmm. defensive line, their run defense got better because Akeem Hicks came back. Um, only thing that my biggest question about Tampa is the pass rush because they lost Shaq Bird, they lost Sue in the offseason. But uh, they are the most dangerous team in the NFC to play because if you just look at the quarterbacks that's going to be in the playoffs, uh, you're not scared of Daniel Jones if Giants make it. You're not scared of Zach Prescott. What have he done? You're not scared of uh, San Francisco quarterback. What have he done? Seattle make it. Look at their quarterback, Geno Smith. Like, you got a lot of first-year quarterbacks that's going to be in the playoffs. And um, Jalen Hurst, you're not really – they're not really intimidating. You know, when you get under that big light in the playoffs, it's a different story. It's a different animal. It's do or die. So, like – I wouldn't write off Tampa Bay if no. I was a lot of people because it's a uh, no. sudden death with uh, Tom uh, Brady. Uh, I like Tampa, and I like the Bengals in the Super Bowl. All right, thanks for checking in. I'm in agreement. I'm not writing off Tampa. They're going to win the AFC South. They're not going to have the greatest record, but they're going to get one home playoff game. They get by San Francisco, and then they got Cincinnati, but then you wrap it up with Arizona, Carolina, and Atlanta. Wouldn't surprise me if Tampa wins three of their next five. That'll be enough to win the AFC South, and they're going to get at least one home playoff game. And you got Tom Brady. You mentioned getting worse back to center back. Tampa has the DNA to know what to do. They've been there before. They're not what they were two years ago, but I wouldn't write them off either. Let's go out to the phones. Kent uh, from Texas also wants to talk about Deion Sanders. What's up, Kent? 
Hey, what's up, Bernie? How you doing tonight? Good, sir. Hey, I got a kind of a similar situation happened to me back in 99. I was recruited by the Washington Huskies, and my senior year I got in a, I had an injury that basically it was going to make it so I wasn't going to be the same player. And I got I got sat down by, at that point, the guy's name was Tim Hunleaves, the defensive coordinator, and he flat told me that I wasn't going to be any, any use to them anymore because of the fact that I was never going to be the same football player. So I respect the fact that you get a guy like Deion Sanders who comes right. in there and he's just straightforward with those guys, telling them, look, you're, you're not going to be good enough and we're here to win. That, well, and that happens in every program. And uh, did you have any dealings with Rick Neuheisel? I think he was the head coach then. Yes, he was. He was. He's a he's a really cool guy. But yes. as I mostly de- dealt with uh, with the DC and Tim Hunley. Was, I think it was, if I remember right, that was going to be his first year uh-huh. as the defensive coordinator because they weren't real real great back then. So. All right. Thanks. Well, thanks for checking in, Kent. Uh, We'll have the phone lines open every Friday night, so you can you can certainly check in again. That's the way it works. People want to be told the truth, especially football players. Real quickly, I mentioned Fred McGriff. He earned injury into the Hall of Fame last week, uh, thanks to the Contemporary Era Committee. He got a unanimous vote, 16 out of 16. Now, McGriff had been held off for a while. 493 home runs just showed a 500. <clears throat> but he had 19 very good major league seasons, and he had production, legitimate production. He had longevity. And McGriff, as expected, got in. Remember, you needed 12 out of 16 votes. Here is the takeaway. The guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling, dude, I, I forget it. They're just not going to get in. Uh, for the, I guess we just have to recognize that whoever is voting now, we're down to 16. This contemporary committee is now comprised of ex-players and executives, and I'm not sure who else. They're, it's just they're get apparently Bonds and Clemens and Schilling have lifetime sentences. Schilling only got seven votes. Bonds and Clemens each got four votes. I, to me, it's a referendum that they just ain't getting in, and that's just the way it is. And uh, we'll see. The committee's going to resume again in a couple of years. Coming up, you know what? Could the it's I'll tell you what. Let's do this. It's never too late too early to preview the championship games. We'll start with Georgia, Ohio State. Coming up, I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked. It's Bernie Fratto Show. Quarterfinal action at the World Cup continues today on Fox at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Morocco will take on Portugal, while at 2 p.m. Eastern, England will take on France. Argentina and Croatia both won on Friday. They will face each other in one semifinal on Tuesday. Veteran sports writer Grant Wall tragically passed away while covering the World Cup in Qatar on Friday night. CBS News is reporting that he suffered a heart attack. He was just 49 years old. In the NBA Friday night, Milwaukee won its fourth game in a row, a 106-105 victory in Dallas as Giannis Antetokounmpo scored 28 points. Philadelphia blew a 12-point lead with just over two minutes remaining in regulation but did hold on for an overtime win over the Lakers. 33 points for Julius Randle as the Knicks beat Charlotte for their third straight win. 35 points for Zion Williamson as the Pelicans defeated Phoenix 128-117. to That wins for Memphis, Sacramento and Brooklyn. I'm Kevin Figures. Well, that's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. 
Well, we're it's three weeks away, but you know how fast time flies. Number one, Georgia will face off against number four, Ohio State in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. That game will kick off 8 o'clock on New Year's Eve, Saturday night, three weeks from today. And, of course, earlier in the day, number two, Michigan, will face number three, TCU, in the Fiesta Bowl. That game will kick off at 4 o'clock Eastern. Early action, by the way. ton of money's come in on Georgia. About 81% of the tickets have come in on the Georgia Bulldogs. And uh, 88% of the folks are on the over. They expect that to be a high-scoring game. Michigan laying about nine against TCU. About 68% of the money is on Michigan early and 71% on the under. Perhaps they think that'll be a lower scoring game. I don't know. I haven't done anything yet. I think you'll see sharp money come in on TCU. But either game, uh, I think they're both going to be competitive, actually. But it's uh, it's tough. It feels like it's Georgia and everybody else because Georgia built the most complete resume in college football this season. They were, they were incredibly dominant right out of the gate in their very first game hammering an Oregon team that was ranked number 11. I get it's preseason number 11. Do that what you will. But still, they beat them 49-3. to And then when they faced, at the time, Tennessee was ranked number one. Georgia beat them, didn't just beat them. They beat them by two touchdowns, 27-13. to And then, of course, LSU, number 14, a very good first year for, uh, for you know, for the LSU Tigers. <laughs> And, uh, and Brian Kelly even beat Alabama, Georgia puts up a 50-burger on them. So in, in, in against three very good-ranked teams, LSU, Ohio, LSU, Oregon, and uh, Tennessee, they outscore them 126 to 46. These are not slouch teams. Number one team, number 11 team, number 14 team. So the reward, pretty obvious. The Bulldogs get the number one seed, in the college football playoff, and they even get to stay close to home. They get to play in Atlanta uh, for the third time of the season at same stadium, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And you've got quarterback Stetson Bennett, who's really feeling himself now. The dude is got it going. He is confident. He's effective. He's very talented. Uh, and he's basically said, hey, we like this place, man. There, it, you know, look, I'm not saying this guy is cocky. I wouldn't say he's humble, but you know what? He's earned it. He He's really fought back his critics and done all his talking on the field. That That's a fact. And he likes playing in that stadium. Here's the deal. Ohio State travels pretty well. Now, the Buckeyes, you all saw them get, as our guy Kevin Figures would say, mollywopped against Michigan, 45-23 at home to end the regular season. But I think you're going to see a very motivated Ohio State team. And... I, it would not surprise me if that game ends up being quite competitive. Now, here's what's interesting about Georgia. Heading into the year, no one really saw that their defense could be this good again. How could that be, right? You repeat last season's success. How could that be? They had five first-round draft picks head to the NFL. But, arguably, maybe their most talented player, Jalen Carter, came back. And he had a bunch of injuries in the first part of the season. But <clears throat> by midseason, Jalen Carter showed he's an absolute game wrecker. In his past six games, 24 tackles, seven for loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles. He's a big, strong, fast stud. He's agile. He's quick. Typical Georgia guy. He is going to be a problem for anybody he plays against. There's no question 
that Ohio State's going to have to keep their eye on him, especially after, you know, the troubles they had on the line of scrimmage against Michigan. Here's the X factor. Georgia's offense is effective, and you got three stud running backs. Georgia's always got that stable of running backs. Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, Dejuan Edwards. And again, Stetson Bennett, he's a threat whether he's throwing or scrambling or keeping plays alive with his feet. But here's the other thing. They've got tight ends in Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. Are you kidding me? And the go-to receiver, Lad McConkey. He's caught 60 balls this year, five touchdowns. And so Georgia's got weapons all over the field. And Kirby Smart's got a simple formula. He Georgia's first order of business is to win the game on the line of scrimmage. That's what they do. And so if you start from the inside out, you look at a guy like Jalen Carter and their defensive line, they've allowed their opponents this year to rush for a whopping 2.9 yards per game. That's the sixth lowest in the FBS, and you got an offense that can put up 50 points in every game, right? Kirby Smart's proud of his team. He knows they play good football. They, they play complementary football, right? Your defense gets your stop. Your offense goes out and scores touchdowns. Your defense gets you another stop, gets you the ball back. It's the way it works. But <clears throat> Kirby Smart's a Nick Saban disciple. He doesn't let it go to his head. He says, we've got work to do. When he says that, I think you, you, you've you got to believe him. You've got to believe him. So Ohio State, and by the way, the, the mantra of Georgia is it boils down to how you play, not who you play. Well, I, I think you're going to see a very motivated Ohio State team that won't be intimidated, that can play a lot better than they showed. I think C.J. Stroud's got something to prove. Okay, their quarterback, he was having a Heisman-type season heading into the Michigan game. He's throwing for 3,400 yards, 37 touchdowns, six interceptions. Everybody said he played bad against Michigan. We threw for 349 yards and two touchdowns. He did have a couple of picks. But, you know, I, I would have liked to listen. I, it would have been great if Blake Corm would have been healthy for Michigan. And Ohio State would have had Trevion Henderson, Mian Williams, Dallin Haddon, and by the way, Jackson Smith and Jibber. They're not going to, I don't know, although they're gonna, not going to have Jackson Smith, right? So wide receiver Marvin Harrison has turned into one of the best receivers in the country. He's continuously made ridiculous catches throughout the season. He makes plays most receivers can't, and the Buckeyes still have injuries to their ground game. We'll see what happens through weeks from now, who they get back. So the question is, they're going to play the game. Georgia's a touchdown favorite. If you're an Ohio State Buckeye fan, how do they win this game? Well, it's going to have to be done defensively. Ohio State's defense is going to have to limit big plays. Now, they've done a pretty good job of limiting explosive plays all season, but except against Michigan. Now, here's an interesting stat about that game against Michigan. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan got, Michigan accumulated 530 yards in the game against Ohio State a couple weeks ago. 379 of those were on five plays. Why Ohio State's D coordinator, Jim Knowles, kept putting nine, ten guys in the box is beyond me. Because once Donovan Edwards got to the second level, he was gone. Why they kept doing that is beyond me. Now, Ohio State, though, can play better defense than they've shown. They were a top-ten defense, and they've got a top-notch offense. But here's the bottom line, and here it comes from Ryan Day. I think Ohio State feels like they've been granted a new lease on life. And I'll quote Ryan Day. He said, life's all about opportunity. And what an unbelievable opportunity this is to go down to Atlanta and play the national champs. This is all going to be about taking advantage of this opportunity. This is all going to be about taking advantage of this opportunity. Ohio State feels 
like they're back in control of their own destiny, and they are. And so we'll see how they fare against Georgia. I don't feel like Ohio State gets it done. I feel like it's Georgia and everybody else. But don't be surprised if Ohio State makes it interesting. And Ohio State's got the speed and the athleticism on, in perfect conditions there in, in Atlanta to, to actually make it a, maybe a little bit more of a track meet than some games we've seen in the past. Which brings us to the other game, Michigan-TCU. Now, Michigan avoided the semifinal rematch with Ohio State, which I never thought was going to happen. I always thought TCU would be number three. Why? I thought they had a better resume than Ohio State. TCU had five wins against top-ranked team, top-20-ranked teams, top-25-ranked teams. Ohio State only ran, had two. Ohio State was a one-loss team who didn't get to their conference championship. TCU was a conference championship finalist who lost to a team they'd already beaten earlier in the year in Kansas State. So TCU not only beat everybody they were asked to beat on their schedule, although they did lose in their conference championship game, remember, TCU was undefeated in regulation this year. The only reason they lost was in overtime. So I always believed TCU would be three and Ohio State was number four. Here's the key. Can Donovan Edwards, who had 216 yards and two touchdowns, uh, uh, beating Ohio State completely replace Blake Corum? Corum is out for sure. He had um, knee surgery. But Edwards' performance will be key. And the run game is critical to Michigan's offense. It starts, it begins and ends there, really. The run sets up their passing and sets up everything that, that uh, 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 J.J. McCarthy does. Now, Michigan has been a second-half team all season. They have a plus 186-point differential after halftime. That's the second-highest margin of any FBS team over 12 games. And... If you don't believe me, look what they did to Ohio State. They outscored Ohio State 28-3 to in the second half. They outscored Purdue 29-9 in the second half in the Big Ten Championship game. It's Ohio State and Purdue 57-12 to in those two games in the second half. So TCU is going to have to play a, a four-quarter game. There's no question. How does Michigan win? They've got to establish a running game and control the clock. They've done it all season. They've got to mix in a few big plays to keep them honest. Uh, maybe J.J. McCarthy hits in a few pass plays, maybe a couple of running plays. And I, I think Michigan very much respects TCU. They're impressed with by, by Max Duggan. They're impressed with their athleticism. They're compressed, impressed with their competitive nature. TCU got it done this year. They had a, they had quite a resume. There's no two ways about it. And that's who key, TCU's key player that they'll most likely lean on. And that's their quarterback, Max Duggan. And he almost put the team on his back against Kansas State. The game ends up, you know, going to overtime. And you saw what happened, how, how TCU got stopped. But TCU's also got other weapons. Quentin Johnson, Darius Davis, Kendra Miller. Look, TCU, I think, is going to get their points against Michigan. Michigan's not seen an offense like this or a quarterback like this. Even Maryland gave, gave him fits. The X factor for TCU, Quentin Johnson. He's a receiver, 6'4", 215. He is a big play threat. He's a first-round draft choice type guy. He's been hobbled for a lot of the season, but when TCU goes to him, he's huge. He makes key catches. They go to him on third down. He's the type of guy that can bust it for 50 yards anytime. And uh, he actually didn't play against Ohio State to get him ready for the postseason. But look, when he's healthy, he showed his potential. He had a two-game stretch against Oklahoma State and Kansas this year, and those were huge games. Both those teams were ranked, and both those teams challenged TCU to try to take away their undefeated season. 
But in those two games, he had um, Quentin Johnson had 22 catches, almost 400 yards, a couple of touchdowns. All right, how does TCU win the game? Well, the Frogs have what they call a thunder and lightning offense. That's what keeps opponents off balance, kind of keeps opponents on the ropes. And in the second half of the season, again, TCU's also been a good second-half team. They had 17 plays of 50 yards or more in the second half alone this season. The only other team that matched that was Tennessee. And you know how people raved about that offense all year. No two ways about it. Tennessee with Hendon Hooker, that offense was the gold standard all year. Well, guess what? TCU was right with them. By the way, Max Duggan ranks third nationally in completion percentage of passes of more than 20 yards downfield, completes at 56%, 12 touchdowns. This is a big play offense that knows how to compete, a big play team. I'm not sure defensively how they match up against Michigan. That remains to be seen. That's going to be important. But similarly to Michigan, this is a reason why this game could go under. TCU really has to establish the ground attack as well. They've got to be patient. They've got to pound away with Miller on the ground. That could open up the play, the, the game for playmakers. And if you get into a shootout, I don't really know who it favors. And, of course, you got the proverbial turnovers could decide it. You don't want to turn the ball over either team and put it in the hands of a capable offense. Blown assignments, penalties, all those things. Teams are going to have to play disciplined. I think it's a one-score game. I think TCU is going to give Michigan everything they can handle. They could absolutely beat Michigan. But we, we, we shall see. Uh, Sonny Dykes, I think his team is excited. I think they're relieved. In past years, they've been left out, right? They got the bad taste out of their mouth, I think, in, against Kansas State. Remember, they beat Kansas State earlier in the year. So they beat everybody they played. And in Kansas State, it took to overtime. So TCU was undefeated in regulation this year. I know that might sound like I'm reaching a little bit, but it's a fact. Give them credit. So I think Sunday Dykes is a classy guy. I think he's imp- he's impressed that the team not only did well, but they really improved every week as the season went on. And I think they look at Michigan as a legitimate challenge. He knows Michigan's explosive, and I think they're very impressed with Michigan. They're very impressed with J.J. McCarthy. They're really, you know, the, the offensive line, their skill players, everything right on down the line. No question about it. However, I, I don't think TCU is showing up to hail Caesar. They're showing up to conquer Caesar. So these are going to be a couple of very good games, I think, both excellent matchups of the likes that we haven't seen in a few years. I really love what Cincinnati did, but they just weren't any match for for the, their opponent last year. And, and let, let's just face it, and Alabama's receivers were hurt. It's one of those deals where the playoffs were a bit of a letdown last year because of all the, all the blots, and Michigan got blown out by Georgia. You get the deal. I don't think that's happening this year. I think you're going to see much more, very much more, uh, competitive games coming up I, I mentioned i wanted to talk about trey turner he got a massive deal he wasn't the only one this this week that that came through uh in terms of big uh deals in in, in the free agent market as far as the baseball winter meetings of course aaron judge but i want to tell you what happened with trey turner it's important because uh, he got a massive deal as well Football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app, presented by BetMGM. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Keep it locked. 
Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Back on the Bernie Frato Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern, bottom of the hour after Kevin's update. Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. We are 17 days in to the World Cup. We're down to the quarterfinals. A couple of very exciting games today. Lots of storylines have followed this tournament. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the United States is no longer part of this tournament, but we'll see if Argentina can finish the job and get Messi his first cup and all that kind of good stuff. So we'll we'll catch up on that at the bottom of the hour. All right, there's been a lot of hot stove news. Obviously, you saw... Aaron Judge did return to the Yankees. I wasn't so sure it was going to happen. The Giants offered him $360 million. I know the Judge was not happy last year that the Yankees leaked the details of their of their uh, initial offer that bothered Judge. As the season went on, he was booed a few times. Yeah, he had 62 home runs, but only had 211 in the playoffs. He's 30 years old, got a nine-year deal. It, it, I think Judge came back dangerously close to being a giant. He was virtually going to be a giant. I think they were all set to do the physical. I know the Padres got in late, offered like $400 million. He was not going to go to San Diego. He was either going to be San Francisco where he's from or staying in New York. And I think in the end it became a legacy play because there have only been a handful of captains in Yankee history. That's quite a, an honor. And, uh, and so when it came down to that, and then, you know, I think – there's relief. Aaron Boone, there's relief. Brian Cashman. But he wasn't the only story, uh, Aaron Judge, staying in New York. Trey Turner has kind of this fascinating mega deal. First of all, let's not forget where he's going. He's going to Philadelphia. Philadelphia was a reigning National League champ. And Philadelphia is loaded. You know, they got Bryce Harper a couple, three years ago. They came this close this year to winning it. And so you, Trey Turner was, you know, one of the best shortstops in the game. Uh, he was a free agent. He agreed to an 11 million, uh, check that, 11-year, $300 million deal with the Phillies. I want to say it was Monday or Tuesday. So you take arguably the best shortstop, the top shortstop off the board, and you give the Phillies not a great shortstop but another powerful weapon for their offense. And I think Trey Turner was offered more money with other teams, but I believe he's he, he's from that part of the country and he wanted to be closer to home. He, he, in a sense, admitted that. And uh, and, and the deal has no opt-outs and a full no-trade clause, which means Turner, clearly, he, he much like Dreis Harper, he wanted uh, stability. 
Flexibility was not that big of a deal to him. He wanted stability. So give Philadelphia top credit for really bolstering their roster. Was I mean, with an incredible lineup. We'll see what they do with it next year. But, boy, I'll tell you, on paper. So, of course, with that comes sky-high expectations. And I think what makes Trey Turner's deal fascinating, is there are a couple reasons. First of all, his, his average annual salary is $27 million a year. Yes, I know this sounds crazy what I'm about to say. It's probably below Turner's market rate, at least for the next four or five years. Turner brings so much to the table. You know he's an elite hitter, but he's a plus defender too. He's a great defensive shortstop, and he's a superb base runner. So they're getting an absolute complete player in Trey Turner. And then after that, you assume the deal is very tradable if the sides that ultimately want to part ways with, you know, his $27 million average annual salary. But the market didn't in there. Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, and a bunch of other shortstops are still out there on the market. And uh, I think the Turner deal sort of opens the door for those other deals to happen, right? And there's one other, again, it's been very active. It took one day. Steve Cohen, he said he wants to win with the Mets. He's not kidding. And one day after losing Jacob DeGrom to the Rangers, he signs Justin Verlander. Verlander reunited with Max Scherzer. And I understand the conversation went like this. They said, Justin, we want you to come to New York. Verlander says, I want what Scherzer got. Done. Two years, $86 million, even though, I mean, that's not bad for a guy who turns 40 in two months. Yes, he's a Cy Young Award winner. But Steve Cohen says, done, come on. We got money here. And and so, uh, <laughs> look, the New York Mets get their guy. The New York Yankees get their guy. And we've still got 60 days till spring training. But you know what? I love hot stove talk. And, uh, and this year, uh, the, the winter meetings in San Diego, uh, there have been uh, quite a few headlines. By the way, I'm happy for Cody Bellinger. I'm a big Bellinger fan. He ends up with the Cubs one year, $17 million. I don't know what happened in the last couple of years. He's still a very good defensive center fielder, so let's hope he gets it figured out and uh, resumes because you can picture him in that ballpark putting up some pretty big numbers. Coming up in just a second, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first, let's go back to our guy who mollywops the competition. It's Kevin Figures with the latest. All right, Bernie. Well, not quite a mollywopping in Dallas. Milwaukee did hold off Dallas, a 106-105 to for their fourth consecutive victory. Giannis Antetokounmpo did score 28 points with 10 rebounds in the victory 76ers defeating the lakers in overtime 133 to 122 as joel Embiid scored 38 points la native d'anthony melton with 33 zion williamson scored 35 from new orleans they defeated phoenix 128 to 117 for their sixth consecutive win five straight wins for memphis they defeated the pistons brooklyn's won seven of eight after they outlasted atlanta 120 to 116 34 points for kevin durant and that one wins for minnesota orlando and the knicks and indiana who handed the wizards their fifth consecutive loss. In the NFL, Chargers safety Derwin James doubtful for Sunday night against Miami. Saquon Barkley of the Giants questionable against Philadelphia. Bengals running back Joe Mixon has clear concussion protocol and will play against Cleveland. Won the college basketball game of note on Friday night. 18th ranked Gonzaga with a 77-60 victory over Washington. Back to Bernie Fratto. Alright, thanks so much, Kevin. Uh, we're 17 days into the World Cup. In a few hours, England will play France, Morocco will play Portugal and we'll have our semifinal Matchups. I have really enjoyed this tournament. As it, it I, you can say it's winding down, but we've actually still got a couple weeks to go, and that's why we've been covering 
soccer for the past year and a half because, as you can see, this tournament, for multiple reasons, generates a lot of attention. That's why this time every week we go to Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. I don't know if I would call it uh, winding down, Bertie, considering today was one of the hottest days I've seen in a minute for the World Cup. Uh, before we get to that, though, it's been mentioned in some of the updates, and I feel like I should pay tribute here uh, to a man who I dearly loved in the soccer world. We've mentioned uh, Kevin Figures has mentioned him a few times. Grant Wall, longtime American soccer journalist, died at the age of 49 while covering the World Cup in Qatar, and it's kind of sent shockwaves down the soccer world. And you know, it's it's really beyond tragic at this point. As I said, he was. 49 there was a lot of conflicting reports about what's gone on with his death but we know he was in Qatar we know he was covering the World Cup his final tweets was watching Argentina and Netherlands and um, I can't speak enough about Grant Wall his writing you know when he was at Sports Illustrated where he's been thing on LeBron life. remember when LeBron was in high school the that, chosen one yeah no he he just he, he was a long time fantastic journalist and you you could see the outpouring from the soccer journalism world especially just he he was such an individual who had joy for a game that is well it, it's a game and he and he had the joy of talking about it about that game and it was it, it was he was a lightning human being and it's Absolutely. very it's very tragic what has passed. By the way, and the reason that was my phraseology winding down, there are actually only five games left. We've got two quarterfinal games Saturday, then two semifinal games, and then the finals. Yeah. Although it'll it'll play out over about ten days, I believe. Yeah, we weeks. well the third place game too. And <coughs> that's know, right. Yeah. That's right. And you know, again, so I have to move past Walt Grant for a second. I will miss him dearly, but we cover the rest of the World Cup. Uh, as he would want. He was very critical of this World Cup, especially of all the, the problems we have discussed here. Uh, but, you know, he still covered it because it's still, you know, the world's game. But today was one for the ages, Bernie, when it came to the games, be it uh, Brazil, Croatia, Netherlands, Argentina, both decided on penalty kicks. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the games coming up here in a second, but my God, today was the day to watch soccer. And I was glued to everything. So we had Brazil-Croatia coming down to, once again, two goals here in extra in the extra time periods. Neymar having that defining goal looked like they were going to finally have it. But Croatia, Croatia once again managing to equalize. Croatia in their record across World Cups are absolutely dominant in penalty kicks. Yes. I, 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 they got I, it down to a science. I, I it, it is. People will say it's a crapshoot, but there is. No, they got a, they've got a, yeah. I, I think, yeah, they, they have won four straight penalty shootouts in World Cup play. That's obscene for everyone that says that it's like a weird skills competition or whatever. No, Croatia is able to do it. And I think the big, the big critique of Brazil was that Neymar didn't get to take a penalty kick. 
why did they put him fifth? I have so from what I understand from Brazil's coach, who I believe is going to be fired. Yep. If he hasn't been fired already, he's going to be fired very soon. But he like the idea was that he wanted a solid, you know, a, a surefire kicker at five to to ice the thing away. Well, the problem is is that Rodrigo and Marquinhos did not hit their penalties, and right, Croatia so hit all moot. four. Yeah, it became moot because Croatia. By the way, just real quickly. Mm-hmm. Because I was super impressed with Croatia <coughs> against Japan. But do you agree, heading into today, I thought Brazil was playing the best defense of anybody in the tournament? I think they I, were playing, the top to bottom, I thought they were playing incredibly good football. I think that France is still the class of this this uh, World Cup. But Mbappe. Brazil was not Brazil was not far behind. No. This is, once again, another shocking collapse for a Brazil team to which nothing but the cup itself is acceptable and to right. be honest this i mean uh, neymar isn't going to have many world cups left in him uh, he's, so he's 30 right because, now so because after argent check that after brazil went down as a top seed mm-hmm. then argentina was in trouble i said to myself my god our two top seeds are going they're going down today <laughs> well did you yeah. have that sinking go ahead i kind i, I kind of did because this was this this was all effort from Lionel Messi to make this game. I know the first goal at 35 minute is credited to Nahuel Molina, but Lionel Messi's pass was immaculate to Molina, and that's what set them up. And, of course, he takes the penalty kick at the 73rd minute. It's 2-0 Argentina at that point. And Walt Weghorst, who just becomes the man of the match for <laughs> two goals, two goals, eighty third minute, and then like here we here we are, you know, it's that. it's like oh my god, you know, it, in the final dying seconds of of, of stoppage time, oh here we god. go, it's Argentina collapsing again. Both teams held on, and you know, I, I think people expected the Netherlands to keep playing aggressive in the. In, in, in extra time, but you know, once once you've gone all out like that, you don't want to take a blow from the other side. So they drew back, and both teams played a bit conservatively. We get to the penalty kicks, and Le- and you know, Argentina didn't make the same mistake that they did that Brazil did with with Lionel Messi uh, with uh, Neymar. Right, Lionel Messi takes that first penalty kick, and he stares down the crowd and spreads his arms. Why do you do that? Because the <laughs> the uh, you know the the Dutch goalkeeper who has a great story. They were really playing him up. On the uh, on the broadcast, Andres Nopert was even saying a few days before, you know, oh, you might have to take a penalty kick against, you know, Lionel Messi. It's like, and he said he's just a human. So Lionel Messi, at this point in his life, has gone full Maradona and is playing with flair and just stared him down after that penalty kick. And then after the game, I guess was jawing off at Walt Weghorst as well. And like you saw Argentina, like you know, given given some like laughs at the at the Netherlands side. This was a game with a lot of chipper, lot of lot of yellow cards given out. Bernie, almost I think thirteen yellow cards given out in this game. I don't even some of these guys aren't going to be able to play in Argentina's next next match against Croatia. This is really really brutal, I think. But. Uh, you know, Argentina survives and advances. The very young Lotaro Martinez is the fifth penalty kick, makes all the difference, sends Argentina. They're still dancing, and look, man, survival is survival is a is a is a hard art, and I think Argentina has done it very well so far. Well, there's no question. After that loss to Saudi Arabia, I'm still not getting off of them. I still think they mm-hmm. proved they can beat you when they don't have their best stuff. And in all phases, you know, you've got to play a complete game 
uh, to beat Argentina. That said, I thought they were going after what happened in Brazil. I thought they might be going down as well, but they got it done in PKs. Yeah, so Argentina survives and advances, and that's all we can really ask for. So Croatia by the way, not, not survives and advances. Chris, yep. To France and England, England's had three clean sheets, oh. but they go up against Mbappe, who's had five goals already. This is a heavyweight fight, if there ever was one, Bernie. Styles. I, 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 it is absolutely styles. I know I've been gassing up France a lot, but England is all that too. Like I know they they had a tough, they had a tough group, and they got through it. In in you know it, it was it was rough in a couple places you know the USA but they cleaned up the rest of their group they cleaned up against Senegal they actually demolished Senegal to be honest three goals yes, to did. nil they so did. I I this I, I I will not place wagers one way or another I if my heart is with France I think my head is with France as well hard to but repeat buddy hard to repeat it, it is it is as you said Bernie it hasn't been done since I believe the late 60s with well, Brazil, Brazil did it in 58 and 62 and Italy did it in the 30s right your point, yeah, yeah yeah no so it's it they, they but this team is impressive enough if there's anyone to repeat it's France but England England sniffed this this jock a few times like they 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 don't want to go home empty-handed again and they've they've slain bigger dragons than France before it's just they seem to fall apart at all the wrong times so well, we'll remember keep... England got to the semifinals last year too or last World Cup too yeah as well. I, I mean I, I also think back to the Euro 2020 competition where like I think they missed a few of the big sluggers out there but you know they looked phenomenal and then they finally get into that finals match against Italy and it goes to a scoreless penalty kick shootout or I'm sorry, a 1-1 penalty kick shootout, and they just completely collapsed down the stretch. Once again, bad bad, uh, strategy in their penalty kicks by Garrett Southgate there. So if it goes to penalty kicks... Keep an eye on England because their their penalty kick strategy will be under the microscope. By the way, Bernie, do you like curses? No. <laughs> well, I, I, I think maybe Brazil... I, I, I forgot to mention this during Brazil, but there was a media minder during a brazil press conference a cat had jumped up onto the onto the stage um during the press conference and just you know it, it's a cat the, in the arabic world a lot of these cats just kind of hang around this minder grabs the cat by like both hands and throws him off the stage so oh, wow. i think some people are starting to think there might have been a curse of the cat for brazil here <laughs> that uh, you don't you don't want to mess with a cat they're 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 speaking lovely of, creatures but that's right felines uh, yeah. we all love them hey by the way yeah. speaking of curses uh, is portugal going to start cristiano ronaldo is his replacement scored a hat trick I I think I think you 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 got to start Ronaldo here. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not doing? I'm not going to be too scared of Morocco. I impressive run by Morocco, but this is Portugal. If Portugal is struggling with Morocco, then I I, I think all the knives are going to come out for Portugal because it's Morocco. Morocco, what a hell of a story! I saw a ce- celebration across the entire across Africa and the entire Arabic world that Morocco beat Spain. It was I, I've never seen anything like. You would have thought they won the World Cup itself for such a small country with such aspirations with such players to beat a powerhouse like Spain. It it is a landmark in African football, and they'll try to do it again against the other Iberian Peninsula team here. Uh, I, I still favor Portugal in this match, but hey, man, we talked about teams of destiny before. Well, tomorrow night at this time, Chris, we'll know who the semifinalists are, and we'll have some matchups and be able to break down Saturday's matches, and I just feel like there's one upset coming. I just, again, just like I got that itchy feeling three weeks ago when I said I think Japan's going to beat either Germany or Spain and they, or Germany or um, 
who's the other team? They beat them both. They ended up beating them both. But the point of the matter is, is that I, Morocco's weird. I don't know that it's going to be them, uh, but I, I could see England getting by front. I don't know. I, I just feel like the obvious ones aren't going to win tomorrow. So that's just an opinion. We'll, we'll we'll see or today, later today, we'll see Saturday night, Chris, when you come file your report. Okay. Sounds good, Bernie. All right, it's Chris Perfetz, oh, World of Soccer. Coming up, we've talked a lot of Baseball Hall of Fame the last couple of weeks, and it's about time to revisit a guy who turns 82 around All-Star around opening day next year. It's time to uncancel Pete Rose. Seriously, okay? I'll make my case coming up. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. We are coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. They have been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Friday night. Mark Ramsey, Chris Perfett, Kevin Figures on the updates, and, of course, Ethan Miller. Great job, guys. Keep the ball rolling. And uh, could not do this show without all of the teamwork. All right. <clears throat> I get it. If you're dumb enough to bet on baseball when you're a manager, you probably should be banned. And he has been for 33 years. And there's an irony now that it's baseball has embraced sports betting. Where am I going with this? Pete Rose turns 82 around opening day next year. Does it serve any fruitful purpose anymore to keep him out of the game? If you don't want him to work in baseball, fine. You don't want him to have a front office job, an on-the-field job, a minor league roving instructor, fine. But the Hall of Fame is a different animal. We all know there are people in there that are less unsavory, unsavory. But we're talking about a guy here who's the all-time hits leader, had the most at-bats in baseball history, over 14,000, most played appearances, played the most games in history. You can add all that to the plaque. Has the most hits in history. And, you know... It's, it's some people will not live forever. Hope he lives a long time. But Shoeless Joe Jackson passed in 1951, and baseball has actually profited off of Shoeless Joe Jackson's name. Pete Rose recently wrote a letter of apology to Rob Manfred. Yeah, it should have been done in '89, but look, to forgive is human. To err is to err is human. To forgive is divine. I get it. You bet on Major League Baseball, you go on this permanently ineligible list. But it's been 33 years. But ineligible maybe to be in the game, but maybe not to be in the Hall of Fame. Does it really make any sense anymore? Robbie Alomar's plaque is still in the Hall of Fame. Omar Vizquel is on the Hall of Fame ballot. And, you know, Pete Rose bet on baseball. I'm not going to deny that he did that. 
but I think it's time to forgive Pete Rose. It doesn't serve any more fruitful purpose. You might disagree with me. I get, I get it. Disagree with me. That's fine. Everybody's got their own opinion. Uh, get your own radio show. Go on and talk about why you think Pete Rose should not be him. I just don't think it serves a fruitful purpose anymore. If you look at the state of the game, Pete Rose says there's a lot of good players out there. There's some good teams. There's more bad teams than good. Every hit's a home run. You get tired of watching highlights. Guys just strike out. Maybe the ball's juiced. I don't know. Pete Rose, no one can deny that when he played, he was like the the poster child for how to play the game right. 4,246 hits. He only struck out 1,100 times in, what, 25 years? The kid, as a kid in 1965, he played all 162 games. Led all of baseball with 757 plate appearances. 209 hits, only struck out 70 times. That was the most strikeouts he ever had in a season, by the way. This is a guy that was epically good, and he deserved to be punished, and he has been punished for 33 years. Does it serve any fruitful purpose to keep Charlie Hustle out of the Hall of Fame? Let's end this story. Let's move forward. You don't need Rob Manfred. The Contemporary Era Committee can do it. That's going to do it for the Bernie Frato Show. We'll see you back on these airwaves at 11 o'clock Saturday night. Keep it locked. Up next, the great Anthony Gargano. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.